Into this week's edition of Wrestling with the Mind, I'm Seth Burchett, your host, and uh, uh, have been pleasantly surprised. I just want to say by the numbers again, uh, everyone who is listening has blown me away, and I'm thankful for that. I'm humbled by that, and I'll continue to do that as long as there's a need for this, as long as there's people that are listening, and hopefully it's helping someone. I would remind you, if this is your first episode, if you have not tuned in to us or me, I guess, in the past, I would check out the first episode. That is my story. That kind of covers who I am and and why I'm doing this and uh, will give you uh, a background and and I think it'll help you for future episodes uh, if you'll go back and listen to that one. So uh, let's just give you a rundown of, of my week. Uh, because I think um, that sort of thing is important to hear. Um, Someone who deals with depression and anxiety, and every day is a battle for me. Every day is a struggle, and I've certainly uh, felt that over this past week. I completed my first full week of teaching. Uh, I had a a football game. I coach – I teach at a high school, but I coach at the uh, the junior high school uh, that corresponds with our high school – and uh, coaching football is very rewarding, but it's also very stressful because a lot is expected of you as a coach. You have to do a lot of things, um, not just on the field, but, but even off the field. And this week I essentially had babysitting duty. Um, I don't want it to sound like they're, they're little kids, but um, the way our football is structured is uh, we have a seventh grade team and an eighth grade team And typically when we have a game, our seventh grade will play first and then the eighth grade will play. So what does that mean? Well, that means that someone has to be with the eighth grade team while the seventh grade team is playing. So uh, I got elected for that duty. And um, that is a stressful situation because you've got about 35 to 40 young men that um, are restless and want to get out on the football field. And we're stuck in a gym for an hour to an hour and a half. So, um, and, and you can't let them run around because they are uh, they need to rest. They're fixing to get out on the the football field and play a game. And so I had that duty, but um, and and it was okay uh, for the most part. But um, it was it ended up being very rewarding to me because. Some of my players didn't know that I taught at the high school and didn't know what I taught. I, I teach social studies, and uh, one of the, the students or one of the players says, you know, hey, uh, you know, what subject do you teach? And when I told him, he got real excited uh, because he thinks, uh, you know, that he's good at social studies. or He says he is. And he says, well, ask me questions. So I start quizzing him, and, and he's, he's a bright young man. And all of a sudden, I've got a, a, a crowd surrounding me of these players that are answering, you know, social studies questions, history questions, geography questions, political science questions. 
and it was a little overwhelming, but at the same time, extremely rewarding um, because it means they're paying attention. It means, you know, I'm doing something right or, or their teachers now are doing something right or a combination of both. I don't know. But uh, being alone with them for uh, <laughs> for that hour and a half while they're trying to, you know, they've got all this energy, uh, gets to be a little overwhelming, makes me a little anxious, but, uh, but we made it through, and uh, that's what we always do. So uh, that's kind of the update on my week. I made it through the first full week of teaching, and, and that went fairly well. Although I'm learning Fridays, kids are a little more wound up. So, um, But I, I'm proud to do it and happy to do it, and it's one of the, the greatest things that I've ever chosen to do. Um, much like this podcast is I'm learning because uh, people are listening, and uh, I want you to continue to listen as long as you're listening, I'm going to put in the time and the effort to put out a product that uh, hopefully is helpful. What I would like for you all to do, if you could, if you would, no pressure, but if you're listening and you enjoy it, rate it on the Google Play Store or the Apple Podcast Store. Uh, that would certainly help out a lot because that helps get it, the word out to those that might not have heard about the podcast yet. Uh, so, again, rate it, like it. You can contact us or reach out to us. Follow us on social media. We're at WrestleMindPod on Twitter. We are Wrestling With The Mind on Facebook. And if you'd like to share your story, reach out, you know, send me a personal message, whatever uh, the case may be, you can email us, WrestlingWithTheMind at gmail.com. So uh, we've got a special guest. It's uh, actually a close friend of my wife's. Um, I'm friends with her as well, but not quite as close as my wife and her are their friends from high school and uh her name is Irene Testerman she uh deals with uh mental illness and uh works with it so I thought she'd be a perfect guest to have on the show and uh we're gonna go ahead and get right into that so here is Irene Testerman uh, Irene Testerman excuse me right here on Wrestling With The Mind Welcome back to Wrestling With The Mind. Uh, we're being joined now by uh, a good friend of mine, a good friend of my wife's, um, Irene Testerman. Uh, Irene, thank you so much for taking the time out today to uh, join us. Um, I know uh, th this podcast has been something that has been growing, and uh, I wanted to get you in and get you part of it. So thank you very much for, for taking the time and coming on with us. Oh, I'm very, very happy to be able to talk with you today. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Well, let's let's get right down to it. Um, you know, obviously this is a a podcast, and, and we focus on mental health, and we focus on mental illness. It's something that I deal with. Um, something that that millions of Americans deal with. Um, give us a little bit about your background and in, in terms of um, your upbringing, and you know, is mental health something that you deal with, and 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 what aspect of it do you deal with and 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 we'll start right there um sure um let's see i think that uh well i grew up in a military family um so i moved around a lot as a child um uh, my dad finally uh retired um near fort campbell kentucky um they're still there um <clears throat> but um, it was kind of weird because I didn't see my dad a lot growing up. Um, he was always gone. Um, he was deployed. Um, 
when I was, I think about eight or nine, we were living in Germany at the time. And that was the first time that he had left. Um, so, um, I started getting a lot of anxiety as a kid, um, especially like around where's my dad, is he coming home? Things like that. Um, but I was a pretty unique kid anyway. Um, like, uh, I would get up in the middle of the night to check to make sure I did my homework. Like, why is that even a big deal, you know, in fourth grade, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. It doesn't, you know, I I deal with kids on a regular basis now and and most of my students aren't, uh, aren't getting up in the middle of the night to check their homework. No. Yeah. I guess I think it was just, things were just really like out of control. Um, for the most part, like in my little kid mind, um, uh, I have an older and a younger brother. Um, I tended to like, like watch after my little brother a whole lot more. Um, we are like two and a half years apart. Um, and my mom actually dealt with a lot of depression, like while my dad was gone and she did the best that she could. Um, but like that lack of like support, like really played an issue, I think, into some of my mental health when I was, um, growing up. So I, uh, I just really struggled starting about age 13. Um, I, uh, like I, I can't really describe it a lot. Um, but I, I, I feel like it was like the onset of puberty and all that stuff, the hormones and everything. Um, and moving around a lot in sixth grade, I left my best friend in the whole world. We were living in Alabama and moved to Kentucky. Um, and I was kind of a wreck. I was like, I didn't really attach to people very much because I just knew that we'd be leaving in a couple of years. Um, so that was like a really big thing for me. Um, and I started feeling like really depressed, um, anxious, um, probably starting around 13. I isolated a lot. I wasn't very social, um, at home. I tried to be more social at school, but like I was a heavy kid, um, after puberty. So it was just like, everything was ridiculous at, you know, 13 to 15. Well, did you, did you notice, um, at at that time, did you notice at that time that, that that was what was going on or was it just happening and you weren't real sure, you know, what was going on with you? Cause I, and the reason I asked that is because, you know, I've dealt with it for years and, and I had no idea that, that, you know, the things that were going on in my mind is, is what was happening. I didn't know there was a name for it. I didn't know there was, you know, I didn't know any of that. Um, it, at that point, did you know that was what was going on or was it just what was happening? Uh, no, definitely didn't know what was going on. Um, yeah, you just kind of feel weird. You're like, my, you know, I'm not normal. Something's wrong. I'm sad all the time. Um, like, I would get really stressed out and like, really like, not aggressive. Like, but it's like kind of snap at my like brothers and, um, and then my dad. He retired at 13, and then I was just like, you don't even know me. Like, he came back to a completely different kid. Um, and he didn't know what to do with that. So um, my family, um, their, I guess, their, their way to fix it was to put me in therapy. Um, so I was in therapy from like ninth grade 
for I don't even know how long. Um, so that's kind of when I started figuring things out, what was going on um, around 13 or so. Did you, um, when you were, when you went to therapy and you started going, you said in ninth grade, did you find that that helped you at all? Or, or was it something where you said, okay, they're making me go here, so I'll go. But, but you know, I, I don't really want to. Or, you know, I think a lot of people, at least it was the case for me for a long time, um, that I didn't think something was wrong with me. Um, talk about that process a little bit, about what it was like to go there, and, and did you find that it was helpful? Oh, sure. Um, no. Um, I At first, I didn't find it helpful. I, am a, I was a really good kid, at, a really good person, um, able to tell you exactly what you wanted to hear. So I went to therapy and for a few years, like they're like, okay, this kid is totally fine on these Thursdays that she comes. Um, but I just knew what to say. So I didn't actually like start participating in my treatment, um, until things actually got worse. Um, so, um, yeah, things, things got a lot worse. They tried different medications, um, which, um, is kind of controversial to like medicate kids and teens. Um, but military doctors are like, yeah, here, let's try some Prozac. Let's try some Zoloft. Let's do this. Um, so it, it was kind of a tough process cause I wasn't sure how to deal with it. And I didn't really know how to talk to my parents. Like we were not a talking family. So I was talking to the stranger once a week when I wish that it, like I had more you know, like availability for parents to be able to like kind of talk me through some stuff. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, just non-communication in terms of mental health. Um, you know, after I found out that I had it, I found out that my mother has dealt with it and my grandmother has dealt with it. And I, I looked at him and I said, why didn't you say something to me about that? Um, right. And, and but they, you know, their response was, "Well, you wouldn't have believed us if we told you." And they were probably right about that. If if they just said, "Hey, we think you're dealing with depression and anxiety," I'm I'm sure I would have said, "Yeah, right, whatever. There's nothing wrong with me." Because um, I think we don't want to feel like that there's something wrong with us, or we want to feel like normal. Um, but I never felt normal, and it, and it sounds like you were um, the same way. But you know, I, I think. And, and that's part of why I'm doing this podcast is I want to open up a dialogue. I want people to be able to talk about it because it is such a taboo subject. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I do want to say, though, that depression in women definitely looks a lot different than depression in men, too. Um, and depression in kids looks different than depression in, depression in adults. Um, so, like, it's possible that, um, like, my parents, or maybe even your parents didn't even realize at first that's what was going on because they're like, why, you know, are they so aggressive or why, what is happening with this? This doesn't look like my depression. So, um, cause it varies from person to person. No, yeah, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. And that's part of why we are having you on, on the show because not only have you dealt with it personally, but, um, you deal with it a little bit professionally as well. And, and we'll, we'll get into that here, uh, in just a little bit, but, um, at what point did you start to buy in, or maybe that's not the right term, but, um, at what point did you start to say, okay, something's going on? 
I need some help with this. You know, how old were you? And then once you started getting that help and you were accepting of it and it was working, um, how did life change for you or, or did it change for you after that? Oh, that's a, that's interesting. Um, cause I, I guess I've been dealing with it off and on my whole life. Like I would have very good, um, lengths of time where I was good and fine and productive. Um, but then there would be like part, you know, um, lengths of time where like it was hard to function and get out of bed. Um, so I would say the first time that I really realized that I needed to participate in, in treatment and try to learn better, better, better skills. Uh, I was probably about 15 or 16. Um, I was in high school and I had a couple of friends that, um, one was a classmate and one I was close with, um, they died by suicide and, um, I really struggled with it because, um, I grew up in a religious household, um, and so, you know, I went to church all the time. Well, after my one friend died, um, the preacher at my church was talking about how he was going to hell and all this stuff because of the Bible, and I, w- I was devastated. Like, that hit me harder than anything. I was not okay for months, um, and I just was like, um, well, I struggled with you know, this and not able to really talk about it. And he wasn't able to talk about it. So I didn't even know he was struggling. Um, and at one point I got so frustrated in my room, um, cause I was in there all the time, just upset. Um, but I actually, um, like bro- accidentally broke a CD case and I had cut myself. And I remember like, that just kind of looking at it and distortingly thinking this is a pain that I can deal with. Um, and unfortunately that kind of started, um, uh, some years of self-harm, um, that I wasn't able to really talk about. Um, because at that point in time, it was like the late nineties, early two thousands. And, um, people were like really kind of talking about this self-harm thing as a way of, um, attention. Um, people were like really like teenagers, um, were <clears throat> almost like, uh, using it as a, like a shock value. And I really struggled with it and try to hide it as best that I could because I didn't want I didn't want that kind of reputation because that's not why I was doing it, but it, you know, has like a bad, uh, I guess a bad rap or lack of a better word. Well, Um, well, and you know, that's, that's interesting you say that because I think across the board, people write off mental illness in general. You know, I I think, mm -hmm. I think there is um, in society today, you know, a perfect example, one of my wife's um, family members, you know, deals with depression and one of their siblings just says, oh, just get over it. Like, you're, you're not that bad. Like, everything's okay. Um, and, and I think for people who don't deal with it, you know, who can't understand what happens in the brain that, hey, you know, th- it is something that's real. Um, and, and those of us that deal with it, 
um, you know, have to deal with it every day. And it's not as simple as just, hey, get over it. But I think, you know, there's a there's a huge portion of society that that just writes it off and says, hey, this isn't a real thing. Right. It's because it's not something you can see. Like people deal a whole lot better with broken bones or, you know, outwardly outward, outward things with it being, you know, inside. You're like, oh, you look normal. You're, you're fine. It, it'll just be fine. Um, and it's not. Um, yeah, I mean, I've I've told people, and, and I'm sure you have as well. You know, that that say, "Wow, we would have never known if you hadn't told us." Right. Yes, I'm. I am a very high functioning, um, what I like to call um, person with depression. Um, mostly because I and anxiety because I can I hide it pretty well. Um, if I struggle, it's mostly like. Uh, I isolate is one of the big things for me um, because I don't I don't want to be a burden on other people. I don't want to bother other people, um, but it actually is worse from, you know, I kind of spiral down worse um, if I had just like like communicate with people that are, you know, um, close to me better than, um, you know, or ask for help. Then it's actually it's actually, you know, a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I know I'm the same way. Um, you know, I, I think, and I don't know if this is a um, a trade across the board, but I always feel like I'm bothering people. You know, I always feel mm-hmm. like, hey, th- they've got enough problems on their own; they don't need to worry about me. Um, when really, uh, you know, people, I think in general, even if they don't understand it, or at least people that are close to you, I'll, I'll say that. I think they want to help if they can, or they want to try to understand or just be there for comfort in some way. And I, I know, you know, that personally helps me a whole lot. Of, and it sounds like it does you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's that, uh, that barrier of trying to ask for help that is just really, it, it can, it can be hard to cross sometimes. No. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. I'm, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Um, let's, let's move a little bit forward. I know, um, you deal with, you know, or you work in, in the mental health field. Um, what, tell us what, a little bit about what you do and, um, what made you make that decision to go in? You know, was it, was it because you deal with it and you want to help people, other people that deal with it or, you know, talk about that a little bit. Okay, sure. Um, so I'm actually a social worker. Um, I have a, an LSW, um, which means like, um, I'm bachelor bachelor's level. Um, and I'm licensed. Um, I don't, um, if you have a master's, you can do things like therapy and things like that. But, um, I work, um, I've been, I guess, working in the field, um, of social work for since 2011. Uh, at first I started working at an after school program with, um, LGBTQ youth, um, and, uh, ages 12 to, um, 21, uh, 12 to 20, they aged out at 21. Um, and I learned a ton uh, from working with youth. Um, and then I worked in HIV for a few years. Um, I was case manager, um, and I had a, a case, a caseload of like 50 to 60 people. Um, and I dealt with not only with HIV, but, um, a lot of people with mental illness, um, mostly because if you're not taking your mental health meds, 
how are you kind of expected to be able to take your HIV medications and um, the difficulties that come along with that, trying to manage that disease um, if you're trying, if you're struggling with your mental health. Um, so that was really eye-opening, um, and um, I learned a ton there. Now I work um, at a place that um, we are like a an emergency room for mental health and um, alcohol and um, drug use. Um, so I, um, I assess people, they come in, um, I do an assessment with them, um, I see what kind of treatment they're looking for or what is going on with them, and um, we refer them to either hospitals um, to be kind of hospitalized or, or to be evaluated on a higher level. Um, or we can help them get into drug and alcohol treatment. Um, and sometimes, uh, actually a lot of times, um, those kind of overlap. Drug and alcohol treatment and mental health kind of go together. Um, and so we try to help with a, like a dual treatment program. Um, so that's kind of what like I do now. Um, why I got into everything. Um, Honestly, um, I'm just really good at it. Um, if that, um, hey, that works. I mean, we, I, we we find what we're good at in life, and and we do it. But um, well, you know, let me ask you this question. Um, to to kind of piggyback off of that statement, um, because I know, at least in my personal struggles, I have grown up thinking I'm not very good at things. Um, was, has that been the case for you? Like, did, was it something you said, Hey, this is something I'm really good at. So I'm going to pursue this. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to insinuate that you think you're not good at anything. I don't want it to sound like that, but I know that that can be, um, a symptom of, of mental health. Absolutely. Um, no. Okay. So I was very academically good and I, that was because I had this, kind of I need to be perfect and I need to control these things and I was able to do that through my academics um and um kind of excel um where I struggled mostly was personal relationships so where I had really low self-esteem um it wasn't uh through like the, these things that are logical it was through things that were emotional like I I, I really like struggled with friendships and I struggled with um, feeling like I was burdened to people and I wasn't good enough to be in people's lives. Um, but I didn't ever really struggle with um, like, like I know a lot of things. Like I read a lot and I just knew that I, I was like intelligent. So I didn't really struggle too much in that area with my self-esteem Um which I guess is really good. Um, but I got it for, I didn't get into mental health and social work until much later. Um, I actually went to school for audio engineering first. Um, and I worked in uh, Nashville as a intern at the music studios and uh, recording studios. And, um, I was setting myself up. I wanted to get into broadcasting, just a lot of the behind the scenes type of stuff. Well, that didn't work out. Um, and I 
I guess when I was in high school, I thought I'm going to be a therapist um, because I spent a lot of time in therapy. Like I was, <laughs> I was like, maybe this is what I want to do. I want to help people. Um, but I didn't really go the traditional route to college right away. Uh, I went to community college and waitress and, you know, try to like did all these things to try to get myself through school. Um, so um, I guess thinking I want to be a social worker came much later when I was a temp at um, a foster care and adoption agency in Hopkinsville. And I, um, I was like, I want to help these people, but I can't because all I'm doing is basically, you know, filing their papers and doing this stuff. I should really uh, try to like figure out what do I need to do to be able to help people on a, a, a bigger level. Um, and so that's kind of what got me into social work. There we go. Had a microphone malfunction there. Sorry. Um, okay. Oh, oh. Yeah, no, I, I didn't hang, I didn't hang up on you. Um, my, my microphone's acting funny. Um, oh, okay. So, um, that's awesome by the way. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm all, I always admire that, you know, and especially being someone who didn't take the traditional path. Um, I admire that even more um, because it, 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 it does make it a little bit harder, but once you find something that you can really sink your teeth into, that you can really get into and, and kind of immerse yourself with, um, th- there's not a better feeling in the world to me. Yeah. Like once like social work, it just clicked. And I was like, like so happy to be in my core class, you're in my classes, you know, after you get done with all the gen ed stuff, you know, you're like, yes, let's get into the the good stuff, the meat. And I just like soaked it up like a sponge. Like it was really, um, really good. Well, let's talk about, there's something you'd mentioned um, a little bit earlier in the interview and I want to touch on it because um, you're really the first professional we've had on the show. Um, it, it is a young show. So this is episode four for those um, out there keeping count. But you mentioned that, that depression and anxiety look different in, in males than females. Can you talk about those differences and, and what maybe each looks like or, or what some characteristics are that, that make it different for both? Um, uh, sure. Um, I think that some of it has to do with uh, uh, mental health especially like um things do look different um between how i think some of it's definitely nature versus nurture right so you are born with something um that's going on chemically uh, and um some people don't really struggle um with these things through their life um but i think a lot what can happen is that not necessarily an event, but like exposure to different things, um, uh, how you're raised, what kind of um, in living environment you have, uh, what kind of experiences you have growing up definitely can um, like turn things on in your brain like a switch. Um, so I think one of the biggest things that I see that is a, is a difference is aggression. Um, for um, a younger males, um, I think that not having being able to have the words and not being socialized um, as emotional, you know, how gender roles are like a big thing. Like 
boys play with trucks. Girls play with dolls. Boys don't cry. Girls are really emotional. Like these kind of black and white things when we're human and we should all have emotions. Um, we're not all necessarily taught to use those um, at a young age. Um, so boys kind of deal with more of the aggression and um, girls deal more with like emotional kind of issues, um, more tearful, more um, guilt, more um, more shame. Um, I'm not saying boys don't feel that. It just comes out a little bit differently. Um, they, they say that girls probably self-harm more than guys. Um, I, I don't like generalizing because I've seen it all with all people. Sure, now that sure. <laughs> working where I work. Um, but I think academically, this is kind of what we've, we, um, kind of kind of talk about. Yeah. And, and I know that, that mental health and depression, and anxiety, and, and, you know, whatever you know, anybody deals with is, is unique to them. But I mean, I have to think that, or at least my hope is somebody's listening to this out there that even the generalization speaks to them, you know, and, and because as you were talking, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, Hey, did I was kind of an aggressive kid, you know, and I'm and thinking about that in my head. And, and my hope is someone's listening that, that it clicks for them that, Hey, maybe something is happening with me or, or that they hear it and say, wow, I, you know, I, I wasn't weird or I wasn't just this troubled kid that, that everyone said I was, um, that there might've been something going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, I think that um, it, it it's definitely um, – girls are definitely diagnosed more with depression or sooner. Um, and I don't – or in, like, mood disorders. Um, and I feel like it's got to do with, I think, just the emotional – maybe the allowance of the, of society that girls are able to like, um, show like, it's more okay. Right. I mean, is that, yeah. 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 For sure. Um, but I mean, it look for guys, it looks more like, you know, they're just irritable and then, Oh, okay. They're, um, or they are picking fights or they're acting out more. Um, and girls can tend to do more of like a, um, an isolation or a, a crying or, um, um, self-harm in different ways. Um, um, losing or gaining weight. Like it just looks a lot different for girls. Well, let's shift gears a little bit here and let's talk about, um, treatment and, and coping mechanisms. Um, for you personally, was there anything that helped you or, you know, for me, it's, it's pro wrestling and video games and things where I can keep myself occupied and, and I'm not, my brain mm-hmm. isn't going crazy. You know, it's not going a, a hundred miles an hour and going every which way. Um, is there anything for you that, um, is, is a helpful coping mechanism? And can you talk about that, um, in general, you know, are there things that people can do? that, that help them if they, even if they just think that they may be dealing with mental illness? 
Um, sure. Um, so I've had a whole range of diagnosis that uh, we probably don't have time to get into, but um, I struggled a lot with, um, I had an eating disorder um, and I got treatment for that. Um, and like I struggled for a very long time with bulimia and compulsive eating. Um, weirdly enough, and I do, uh, it's very weird that other women have talked about this, um, but the thing that got me to stop with the bulimia is that I thought, uh, the stomach acid is going to ruin my teeth. Um, and, but so I was able to like kind of talk myself out of that, but that eating for emotional, uh, comfort and, uh, that need to control things, um, continued into like compulsive eating when I got really stressed out or really like depressed. Um, so I actually got treatment for that, um, uh, for about a year. Um, and I went to group therapy and, um, so there's something called DBT. It's a dialectical behavioral therapy, which was the best therapy that I ever got. Um, so they did this with, a group of people that have eating disorders, but they all, this also works very well with people that have mood disorders, um, or, um, like bipolar or borderline personality disorder. Um, this therapy works a lot better because it helps regulate emotions. Um, so I went and I did this, um, it's basically learning how to practice mindfulness and specific skills for like, um, like interrupting, those emotions or, um, basically it's like a mood learning how to manage your mood uh, and emotions. Um, and that was an amazing to me because, uh, for a very long time I did cognitive behavioral therapy, which is essentially talk therapy. And I could talk all day long about my issues, but I wasn't able, it wasn't helping, you know? Um, uh, but once I had like skill building stuff, I was like, oh, this is something I can do, which is, that's a big thing for me. I was like, ah, if I can do it, then, um, it, it's helpful. Um, so I did that and I learned how to do that. I still use those skills now that, I mean, I don't really have those same kind of, um, issues anymore, but if I start feeling, um, down or depressed or whatever, I kind of reach into my, my skills and I kind of start working through some of those. Um, and social workers are huge about self-care. We talk about it all the time. We think of new ways, um, to like help and the things that you're describing, like, uh, video games and, um, things like that. Those are definitely, you know, help with, you know, your day to day. Um, and kind of like if you start feeling a certain way, you can like, oh, I'm going to just kind of get lost in this for a little bit uh, instead of, you know, stressing out about all this other stuff. Yeah, um, yeah I think that was probably the term that I meant that I should have meant said was self-care. But, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, and and uh, that for me is, is what's helpful. But, you know, how important is it for for people to have that sort of, you know, whatever it is, um, for that person to be able to to do those things and have those things kind of in their toolbox, um, to right? Be, to, yeah, to, to be it's able so, to pull it's those so out. So important. But yeah, talk about those. Um, you know, having that that toolbox and those things that that people can go to 
um, when they're starting to, you know, for those, you know, and for me, I'm still learning how to recognize that, hey, this is coming on, you know, that I've got right. something happening. Um, how important is that for them? And, and can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, sure. Um, one thing that I really like, like, actually, like, have an actual toolbox. If you um, just have a little box that has different things in it, um, um, because one thing that it is, it's hard to say, okay, what skills do I use when you're in the middle of having extreme emotions or you're in the middle of starting to feel like anxiety issues or even depression? Um, I feel like depression always sneaks up on me, though. I, I can I can feel anxiety. I know what's going on there. But then depression is just like, hey, I'm here one day. And I'm like, where where did you come from? I don't understand. Um so um, I like to have things in my toolbox um, that um, kind of go with all the sentence, the senses. Like I have a, um, a stress ball to be able to squeeze um, or putty or a small thing of Play-Doh. Um, one thing that I read and I'm a big, big fan of is that um, – if you're in the middle of having like strong emotions or anxiety, um, if smells can actually change the chemistry of your brain so that it kind of, uh, alleviates that. Um, so if I'm feeling really stressed or I'm in the middle of like having a little bit of a freak out, um, I have a little box that I have like one of those tiny little dollar candles at Walmart that has a little top on it. And I will just open it up and I will smell really big. Essential oils are really good. Um, it kind of just interrupts um, your your brain. Um, uh, chewing like strong gum, um, the chewing and the that intense like flavor helps. Um, or strong mints. Uh, I have written down like a playlist of my favorite songs. Um, now I just have the playlist on my phone, but before we had those, I had just this little list of all these favorite songs that would make me happy. And I would listen to that, um, watching like cute animal videos on YouTube is helpful. Um, just, or something that will make you laugh. Um, these are all things that are good. Like what I like to call interrupters. Um, and then you have, like self-care on a bigger scale, you know, if you like to go and get your, get pedicures, you know, do try to do that once a month. Um, try to like do things, um, that like kind of make you feel good about yourself. Um, if you like, ah, oh, I need to go get, you go get your hair done or go, um, ride, ride a bike or, uh, they say physical activity is real good, but I live that sloth life. So I'm kind of a more snuggly creature, um, and I don't do a lot of physical activity, but um, I do like to get out and walk around in nature once in a while and um, just kind of be in the moment. Being in the moment is very important, um, just like knowing what's around you. We, like, we, tr we do live a life of distracting ourselves. We're always on our phones or we're always like in electronics um, and getting out of that a little bit kind of can help de-stress us because we're not so stimulated all the time. 
Yeah, I feel like um, you know you talk about on the on the bigger scale and, and doing something you know once a month, whether it's you know if you like to get the the manicure or pedicure, um, and and as I think about it, you know I think for me it if you have something to look forward to, you know if you know that's coming up, um, I feel like that that is something that can also take your mind out of it a little bit because you know then I'm focused on that as opposed to whatever's going on around me at the time. Right. Yeah. Having, yeah. Um, being goal oriented, like future oriented is always good. Like I got to do this thing. So I'm not going to be so in myself. I'm like, yes, I'm going to go and do this thing with these people or I'm um, looking forward to doing this other thing. Or, um, even if it was, uh, like infinity wars was coming out and I was looking forward to that for months and I was like, you know, it's almost that time. I do that with movies a lot. So, um, can't wait for that next thing to come out. Well, and 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 it's nice with movies because you know you got you know the movies coming out, but and and I know Infinity Wars was like this. Every time a trailer came out, you know, every, you you flocked to it because you wanted to see what little nugget of of you know information or or you know what what screenshot they were going to show you or what character they were going to show you that might be in the movie. So I mean that that's even a longer process, I would think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. You just look uh, – it's, sometimes it's hard, but it's look for the little things. But, like, people that have, like, talents with, like, crocheting and knitting and art, um, I'm like, I doodle a lot, like, so that, you know, you're just kind of in that um, moment and you're just doing this thing for a little bit. Um, so, like, these are all really good things to, like, you know, be doing something with yourself instead of – um, kind of isolating and not able and like getting too into your emotions when you're feeling really down or really anxious. I think one thing that does keep me going is that no matter how I guess depressed that I get, um, I am in a position where for me, I'm like, this is, it's really good for me because I'm like, uh, you know, those times do you feel like you can't get up, you can't go and do what you need to do. Well, as we start to wrap it up here, um, Irene, and, and again, thank you for joining us um, here on Wrestling With The Mind. Um, if there's anybody out there listening that is either, they know they're struggling with anxiety or depression or they think they may be, you know, what advice would you give them or, or what would you tell them? Um, I would say probably open up to a really close friend, um, or a loved one, um, a partner, um, and kind of start looking at, if you are absolutely feeling like you can't go on and you're, you're struggling with like suicidal thoughts or plans and things like that, um, definitely call a suicide hotline. Um, I'm actually looking up a number right now, um, because, um, they will be able to like kind of link you to more local resources. There's a national suicide prevention lifeline. Um, it's 1-800-273-8255. Um, and if you're online, there's a lot of resources now that you can do more texting and chat. Um, if you have that anxiety with talking to someone on the phone, 
Um, so there are lots of resources to be able to get help. If you're feeling immediately suicidal, go to a local emergency room um, and, and get help that way for sure. Um, but if you're just kind of feeling down, um, just kind of open up to maybe your friends um, because they're probably feeling the same way too at times. Uh, I think everybody is it's depression and anxiety and stuff is definitely on a spectrum. Um, like everybody can kind of relate a little bit to what you're feeling. Um, I think. That is fantastic advice. Um, definitely very helpful. Um, before we let you go, is there anything you'd like to promote or plug uh, resources? I don't know if you um, want to, if you have any social media or anything you'd like to plug anything like that uh, before we let you go. So, um, not at this time. Maybe have me on again, and I'll have more information. No, that that's fine. I, I just like to give everybody the opportunity. Um, if, if they have anything to plug, uh, that they certainly can. Um, Irene, thank you so much for coming on with us. This has been awesome, and and you've always got a spot here uh, on Wrestling with the Mind. Oh well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Big thanks to Irene for joining us on the show here today. That's going to do it for us. Uh, want to thank everybody out there who has been listening. Um, want to remind you again uh, to email us uh, at wrestlingwiththemind at gmail.com if you'd like to reach out or send a personal message or just say, hey, I'm listening and, you know, you're not doing half bad here. Um, rate us on the Apple iTunes store, the Google play store that helps bump us up. It helps make us more visible, uh, for people. You can follow us on social media, uh, at WrestleMindPod on Twitter and wrestling with the mind on Facebook. That's going to do it for this episode. We will be back next week on Mondays as usual. Thanks to everybody who is listening. And remember you may not be okay and that's okay. Thanks for listening.